We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brad Milkey of ABC News Start Here podcast with your sports update. Down one star, the Golden State Warriors keep winning thanks to the rejuvenation of another. We'll explain coming up. Bodega, 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 alpha and omega. Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. So wing about a serving platter. Hey, hey Jamie. Yes. Uh, did uh, did you want to try reading that line on the script there? Oh yeah. Let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That one. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. Detector test. Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today. The marmot mangled by mushu pork pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Warrior star Clay Thompson is out for the 2021 season with a torn Achilles tendon, but in his absence, two-time MVP Steph Curry has stepped up in a big way. Curry sits near the top of the league in points scored and three-pointers made and set a new personal best with 62 points in a single game. This ABC Sports Update was brought to you by Progressive. Drivers who switch to Progressive can save an average of $668. On Tuesday, November 27th, join the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, James Naveau and me, Jay Zawoski, at Rabid Brewing in Homewood for our Puck Cancer fundraiser and watch party as the Blackhawks take on the Vegas Golden Knights. Tickets are $10, and all proceeds go to the family of Meredith Garcia. Meredith lost her battle with cancer in May, and her family needs our help. Every ticket is an entry into our grand prize raffle, which includes Blackhawks tickets and a signed jersey. Go to madhousepod.com slash events to purchase tickets. That's madhousepod.com slash events. We'll see you at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood on November 27th. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe. With locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. And by Rabbit Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Thank you, disembodied voice. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. And with me, as always, is the bearded and resplendent and awesome Homewood's very own pride and joy, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score. Jay, weird, weird kind of weekend for the Blackhawks, man. There was like some good, there was some bad, there was some awful. It was just uh, kind of like the entire season got condensed basically into the Blackhawks last like three or four games. So this has just been 
it's been a bizarre kind of stretch for them. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack here. I feel like, how are you feeling about this team right now? My friend? It's funny, you and I did not talk before this podcast about what we were going to discuss, and I'm glad that's sort of where you started, because you're right, after this weekend, I find myself feeling like they are kind of what we expected, right? They're not great. They're not a great team. They're not bad. They're somewhere between great and bad, which I think makes them good or like average, yeah. Again, I think we're maxing out at a wild card spot. And that's, you know, the ifs we talked about all summer and all preseason. Some of those things are happening. Some of them are not. Um, if they come together, then, then the team can come together. I think we're kind of in a wait and see point. I don't think they're as terrible as we feared they might be. But I don't think they're nearly as good as we thought they were early in the season. when We said, oh, look at this. They're not that good either. I think the reality of it is what we saw over the last three or four games. Yeah, I think the early part of the season when it was basically the cocaine addict Blackhawks where it was just like frenetic energy up and down the ice going completely crazy with the puck and scoring a bunch of goals and giving up a bunch of goals. I feel like that there's an element of that to their game still. They still are going to try to score a lot because they do have some really talented offensive weapons but I also feel like we've kind of seen them come back down to earth a little bit both in that area and also defensively like they are still making some really bad mistakes on the blue line but you're starting more and more to maybe think that these mistakes can maybe be fixed at least a little bit they're not going to go away completely obviously when Connor Murphy and Gustav Forsling come back into the mix or when Stan Bowman inevitably finds a team in December or January that's willing to part with the number four or five defensemen for the cap space that the Blackhawks currently have like those those things are going to do some to address some of these issues but they're still going to be present, I think. You're still going to have the instances where Jan Ruda is going to do something that drives you completely nuts. You're going to have the occasional stinker game by Henry Yokoharu like you did against the Blues on Saturday night where he was repeatedly and badly out of position multiple times in that game. And you're going to have games like that. You're also going to have the games where the offense is going to be clicking on all cylinders. You'll have Dominic Cahoon and Patrick Kane and Alex DeBrinkett and Jonathan Taves all filling the net with goals. This is basically inconsistency is going to end up being the most consistent thing about the Blackhawks this season. They're just going to be an up and down team. You're never going to be quite sure what you get on a night in night out basis. And while that doesn't sound great, it's honestly better than them just being straight up bad. Am I crazy in saying that? Like, I'd rather them be inconsistent and potentially still have the opportunity to become a wild card team than to just know like 20 games in, well, this team's going to suck. Oh, for sure. That's much better. And I also, I want to be clear here. I'm not mad about it. I just think that, you know, anyone with a realistic look at what these Blackhawks were knew that this is probably the best case scenario, right? You have... Uh, your star players are playing better, all of them, kind of to a man, are playing better than they did last season. Taves, I think Seabrook looks better. I think Keith, I think Keith looks better. Crawford looks good. Um, even Saad, who's been a streaky but has been better lately, they look better this year. Yokoharu, who you mentioned, has been good in pretty much every game but one, which is an upset. And like you said, these things are going to get better as the season goes on. But you are going to have to live with some growing pains here. And it's not just from young players. It's going to be from veterans learning to play with different guys. It's going to be uh, from aging guys, you know, showing their age a little bit and losing a step here or there and maybe uh, overestimating what's left of their game. There's going to be some ugly moments this year. But I think for the most part, when the Hawks take the ice, I find myself entertained. I find myself optimistic and I can sort of see where this is headed. And for the most part, I feel pretty positive about it because the young guys have actually been pretty good, pretty impressive. So I'm not mad about it. I'm not overly concerned about it. I'm not excited or doing cartwheels, but I think this is aside from a total rebirth from all your core players, this is kind of best case scenario. And, and, if it stays this way 
who knows what you know you mentioned it what the trade line could de- deadline can bring or what Gustav Forsling could mean to this team or what Connor Murphy could mean to this team those are guys who are highly regarded young defensemen they're not the next coming of Chris Pronger or Nicholas Lidstrom by any means but they're higher level prospect young players so uh we'll see I I, I think so far I guess I could say so far so good not so far so great if, if that kind of makes sense that's it makes total sense. And I think we are going to end up seeing, I know we're getting to know the Blackhawks right now. We're only 12 games into the season, obviously. So it's not like we have a full picture painted, regardless of what we're saying right now, there's still a lot to be learned. But I think that in the coming week or so, like couple coming week or two, the Blackhawks play five of their next six games on the road. They play some winnable places. They play a team they've already seen in the Edmonton Oilers during that stretch. I find it very interesting that this is going to be kind of your first look at the Blackhawks playing consistently away from home. This is always kind of a good time of year to start really learning some stuff about the Blackhawks. And I know that we've already seen a good amount in these first 12 games just based on the complete chaos that we've witnessed, but I think coming up here in the next five to six games, I think that that's going to be another really good kind of sample size to determine what exactly it is we're seeing for the Blackhawks in terms of their ceiling, in terms of what they can accomplish this season. And I'm really looking forward to that. But I think that before we start moving into previewing the upcoming road trip, which I know that they've got three games coming up in four days before they get, you know, another four-day break because the NHL schedule makers are so wonderful. Before we get into talking about that road trip, I did want to ask you and kind of put you on the spot a little bit, Jay, and that's to ask you, among all of the Blackhawks we've seen this season, that, and we've said we've kind of expected this, what to you has been the most pleasant surprise? It can be a player, it can be a facet of their game, whatever you want. What to you has been the surprise to you that's been the most pleasant and the most positive to see? I think uh, there's two possibilities. One is the competence of Henry Okaharu on a nightly basis. But I think to me, the most surprising and the most uh, uplifting, I guess you'd say, is Corey Crawford's return to form without really missing a beat. He does, it doesn't feel like he missed any time. He looks like old Corey Crawford. Um, I've seen nothing that concerns me in his game. There's been some games where the Hawks have gotten lit up, but I don't blame Corey for any of those. Um, that to me has been the most encouraging. This huge question mark since December, you know, it, it suddenly comes back after a mysterious, you know, preseason. Uh, no one really knows what was going on or when he'd be back. He was kind of practicing, but not taking a lot of contact. All of a sudden he comes back and he's the Corey Crawford of old. And I think that to me is is even more unexpected than Yoka Haru coming in and being good is Corey Crawford coming back and being Corey Crawford again. That to me is the the best story of this season so far. I think that's a really good call. Obviously, we raved about Corey Crawford when he came back that it didn't look like he had missed a beat. And obviously, the defense playing in front of him is not doing him any favors in terms of his statistics, his win total, and what have you. So I think that's a really good uh, surprise to say is probably the best. I think for me, the second would probably actually be Alex DeBrincat. And I know that... It's not surprising that he's good. I think what's surprising to me is that it seems like he's even taken a step up from what he was last year. And he's playing in a wide variety of roles. And something I I made point of noticing over the weekend was the times that I saw him playing on the penalty kill. I thought that was really interesting that Joel Quenville is using a guy who's only five foot seven in a role like that. And it's something that when he came into the league, we all thought that he was this guy who had played with the Erie Otters and he had played with Connor McDavid. And he was this guy who was going to fill the score sheet potentially and just be an incredible offensive talent. And now Joe Quinville is using him. And it's not like this is a penalty kill when they're down by like four or five goals and it's kind of like garbage time. These are actual like serious moments in the game when they're tied, they're up one, they're down one. They're using him in basically every conceivable role Mm -hmm. I almost want to say it reminds me a lot of the way they kind of brought along Brandon Saad and then he kind of became Q's guy and just was able to be used in all situations but obviously you know better I think overall offensively I think that that to me has been the surprise is that not only has Alex DeBrincat been able to come in and score a bunch of goals 
but he's getting used in an incredible variety of situations. And that, to me, that development is absolutely incredible to see. Well, we've talked, this has been a recurring theme for me on this podcast. And one of the things that really uh, impresses me about Debrinkit is his overall hockey intelligence. The dude is just a, a smart hockey player. And that mental aspect of the game, to me, is like sort of the, uh, it offsets the size, right? Like, yes, he's a little bit small, but his intelligence puts him in situations that are, um, that help him, that, that he thrives in. And look, you don't have to be a big dude to kill penalties. Go where the puck's going to go. Uh, if you have to go win a board battle, do it. But get in a lane, be willing to block a shot, and make the smart play when the puck comes to you. And he's reliable in that way so often that I feel like when he's on the ice, good things are going to happen. And, yeah, you can credit his line mates a little bit. I think Jonathan Taves, obviously, is probably a Hall of Fame player. And Dominic Cahoon is off to a really good start. I like his all-around game very much. Um, but you got to give Debrinkit some credit on his own. And I think he's a guy who you mentioned it, McDavid, uh, was his line mate forever, and I think there was a, a lot of people just were like, "Well, you know, he's just he's just getting the scraps of Connor McDavid, and it, it's not really him creating." No, no, no. If you watch Alex Debrinket, he is generating he, offense on his own all the time, mm -hmm. and that to me is it, the whole package of Alex Debrinket is to me is incredible. And I I think that sometimes his diminutive stature can be an advantage for him he can slip between defenders a little bit he can he can kind of hide a little bit now and again and that to me he's got this incredible ability to get a shot off like with when he's tightly checked or when there's not really it doesn't look like there's a shooting opportunity he gets that puck off his stick so quickly um man i just really love his all-around game i really do I completely agree, and I think that I compared him earlier in the season to Tariq Cohen, and I'm definitely sticking with that. Sure. Harrison, just the way that he is able to use his intelligence and his raw skill to do things on the ice that, frankly, a guy his size generally can't accomplish. He's smart enough to avoid getting absolutely hammered out there on the ice. I know the other day he got into the scrap after he took the big hit, but... That's obviously not a normal occurrence for him. He's way more likely to kind of avoid that hit and to play with a lot of intelligence and a lot of speed, like you mentioned. I do want you to tell our listeners about uh, Triple Threat Sports. We're going to go into our first break here. But when we come back, I want to point out an article that I saw on ESPN today about the top lines in the NHL. And then after that, I would like to kind of get into, uh, if you'll indulge me on this, since we didn't really have a pre-show meeting, so to say, I think we can definitely talk about the upcoming road trip and kind of what we're expecting as they go through Vancouver and Edmonton and Calgary. Some teams in there that haven't really played great the last few seasons, but have looked good early on. And I kind of wanted to get into that. So why don't you go ahead and do the honors of telling everybody about all the awesome jerseys and patches and banners and everything they can get a triple threat yeah well you did a good job leading me into it uh triple threat has been our sponsor since day one and they have been uh hugely supportive of the podcast and, and we say it every week if you've got a team that you need to outfit let's say you're a softball coach let's say you're the president of a local uh, baseball league like i am i'm the bantam b president of homewood baseball and this is the time of year when you start to consider ordering uniforms and where you're going to get them printed and who's going to be your supplier look no further than triple threat sports triple threat sports.com they have everything you need there hook yourself up with chris hubble 708-478-6090 or email him at chris at triple threat sports.com triple threat sports if you can wear it they can make it we'll be back with a preview of the Hawks' upcoming road trip and much more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Average weight loss 15.4 pounds in first two months. For guarantee, cancel within first 14 days. Discount with two months of auto delivery. Food charge and shipped every four weeks. Call or see website for details. Do you want to lose 18 pounds fast and improve your health? Now you can lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months with Nutrisystem. Get delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, even snacks and shakes delivered safely to your door. All delivered for free. It's easy to follow, and you'll see results in your first week. Just text BODY to 323232. You'll get your favorite foods made healthier and perfectly balanced to put your body in fat-burning mode. Text BODY to 3232. 
2232 right now and get 50% off a month of meals and shakes. That's right, 50% off a month of meals and 50% off a month of shakes with probiotics to help support your immune system. Just text BODY to 323232 right now. There's even a money-back guarantee. Millions of people have lost weight with Nutrisystem, and you can too. Lose up to 18 pounds in your first two months. Just text BODY to 323232. That's B-O-D-Y to 323232. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for recurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop to opt out. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We've been talking about kind of where the Blackhawks are. There's, It's not really a milestone being 12 games into the season, but they are heading into kind of their first big road trip of the year. So we kind of wanted to get a state of the Blackhawks and kind of talk a little bit in general about what we've liked about the team and kind of where they're at in the NHL season right now in terms of their standings. We did want to talk a little bit about where the Blackhawks are ranked NHL-wise in terms of the top lines. ESPN came out with a piece today ranking the top lines in the NHL. Good old Greg Wyshynski, formerly a puck daddy, now with ESPN. And he ranked the top 20 lines in the entire NHL. By the way, former Blackhawk Philip Dano is on that list. He is in number 19, the Montreal Canadiens. He's paired up with Brendan Gallagher and Thomas Tatar, formerly of Jay's favorite team, the Detroit Red Wings. So I did want to bring up the Blackhawks had one line on the list. Jay, I'm assuming you can guess which line it is. I'd assume it's the top line. Alex DeBrinkett, Jonathan Taves, and Dominic Cahoon are number 18 on the list. And here's what uh, Greg had to say. We're not sure how long this line will last, considering that Joel Quinville likes to scramble his lines every few weeks like he's making an omelet. But through 12 games, this Taves-led group has scored nine goals and is a plus 33 in Corsi differential. So, fair enough. I mean, 18, I think, is a little bit lower than I probably would have anticipated just based on the fact that they have played together so much and they've, like, had the kind of like highlight reel success that they've had. I thought maybe they would get a little bit more love uh, nationally from an NHL perspective. So I thought that was interesting. Now, Jay, I'm going to first ask you your thoughts on that, and then I'm going to quiz you. So let's talk about that ranking first. Okay, well, I, here's here's how I would look at this. If I'm in game seven of the Stanley Cup final and I have, uh, I'm down one uh, with in the waning minutes, I don't think there's 18 lines I put on the ice before I put Jonathan Taves and Alex Dabrinkit out there. I don't think – I'm not looking at the list, obviously, but just based on pedigree and based on um, scoring ability and what they've what Taves has accomplished already in his career, I think automatically he moves that lineup. But I know that's not the purpose. It's more of a power rankings right now sort of thing. So I get it. Cahoon has not really proven himself uh, in any sort of national uh, way yet. Um, and Debrinkit, I think, is still sort of under the radar for people. Um, rookie last year on an uninteresting and uncompetitive Blackhawks team. Uh, so he probably didn't get the coverage he would have gotten had they been better. Um, again, if they make the playoffs this year, I think now then you'll see Debrinkit's star really rise. But I'm telling you, man, locally, people love him. He's, he's the one I'm hearing all the kids talk about. That's the one Addy's really interested in. My daughter Addie is really into Debrinkit. She, you know, she wanted to get a jersey. I'm like, do you, do you know how much a jersey costs? Like, there's no way in hell are you getting a Debrinkit jersey. Daddy, you work at 670 the score and make boatloads of money. Sure, that's well because I work at the score. We got to go to the Oilers game for free on Sunday. That was pretty sweet. Um, Lucky. yeah, but uh, no, no, no jerseys, especially when she's going to grow out of it in like two months. Anyway, yeah. so yeah, that, that's sort of my take. I, I get it. Uh, you've got Taves with two sort of uh, unknowns. Cahoon way more unknown than Brinkett. So I get it. It's not going to upset me. These things don't bother me. No, I, and I think that obviously there's no like scientific reasoning behind the rankings. So I'm not going to get particularly irritated at a subjective ranking. But I also I do agree with you. I would probably have them higher on the list, especially looking at some of the lines around them. Like you're really telling me that the line of Johnny Gaudreau, Sean Monahan, and Elias Lindholm for the Flames. You're telling me they're better than that group? No. It's like, eh, whatever. Where are they ranked? I, they're actually ranked number 16 on the list. Uh-huh. I uh-huh. this Okay, I'm going to go through a couple of them that kind of surprised me. Patrick Marlowe, Austin Matthews, and Kasperi Kapanen for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Kapanen. You oh, you're showing how young you are. Kasperi Kapanen. Sammy Kapanen, son. Sorry. 
they are ranked number 15 on this list. Hmm. I was actually really surprised by that. I was really surprised by Tabo Teravainen. I gave you a moment of silence there. I appreciate it. Aho and Michael Fairland are number 13. I was actually surprised by that. I thought they would be higher than that. They've played really well this season. And then Alex Ovechkin, Evgeny Kuznetsov, and Tom Wilson are number nine. Tom Wilson. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> so that was surprising in a bad way. Yeah, I so, think so. That that's uh, come on. I know it's early in the year, and you're. Uh, you gotta keep in mind too. A lot of these things are just to like uh, stoke the flames of debate and clicks and comments yeah. and stuff like that. And so keep that in mind. Yeah, Tom Wilson is just like no. Come yeah. on, man. So I'm going to ask you, Jay. Okay. I don't know like how like familiar you are with like line combinations for other teams and stuff, but I'm still gonna ask you like. Which team do you think has the best line in hockey, and can you name the players that are on it? Well, because it's based on what's happening right now, I'm going to guess it's uh, Miko Rentinen from the Avalanche is off to just an insane start uh, this year. And uh, he's sort of like, are him and Landeskog and McKinnon all on the same line? They are all on the same line, then yes. That's got to be it. That's got to be that number one. Indeed, number one. And it actually, it surprised me a little bit, not because I feel like they're, you know, not one of the top lines in hockey, but the line that's number two astonished me that they were not number one, because that to me, I instantly was like, yeah, that should be the top line in hockey and has been ever since they got put together. Can you name that line? Well, my instinct's telling me to, to say whoever uh, Crosby is skating with. That is incorrect, actually. It is not who Sidney Crosby is skating with. In fact, I'm looking at this list right now. Sidney Crosby's line is not on the list. Hmm. Give me a Eastern or East or West. It's Eastern Conference. Carl Hagelin, Evgeny Malkin, and Phil Kessel, by the way. The only Penguins line on the list. They are number 12. Um, Oh, uh... You said East, right? It is the East, yeah. Bo- is it Boston? It's Bergeron and uh, what, Bergeron, Red- Marshan and Pasternak. Red Bull, I, I was going to call him, yeah. Would have thought they were number one, man. I really, I love watching that line play, even though Brad Marchand is a pud and I don't like him. I cannot deny the chemistry that he has with Bergeron and Pasternak. That line is incredible and they do everything well. They are astounding to watch. And then the other line I was surprised was ranked a little bit lower than I thought they would be is that Dallas line with Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, and Alex Radulov. I I love that line, dude. They are they're an absolute like joy to watch. They are flying everywhere and they can score a ton of goals. So my words to Jim Montgomery, the coach down there in Dallas, do not break them up, dude. They are very entertaining to watch. Yeah, that's a pretty solid combination. That's tough to beat. And I think the Stars, because they've underachieved historically, don't get the respect they probably should. And those two guys, Sagan and Ben, have been connected forever. Um, That that line is very, very good. I don't care what, what your overall thought of the Dallas Stars is uh, as a playoff contender or Stanley Cup contender, whatever. That line is, it's top five. There's no doubt. Yep, and they are number five, so they did make it. I just thought they would be a little bit higher, but there are some really good lines in the NHL, man. Like that, like I said, that Boston line, like just watching them play in random games last season and then a couple of times that I've seen them play this year, like you can always tell when those guys are on the ice because they're making things happen. Well, I know we want to preview the West trip. Why don't we, one thing I want to mention quickly, and then we'll do that next segment did you see the news today about Patrick Sharp joining the NBCSN uh, Chicago uh, broadcast team? My sister, who is a giant Patrick Sharp and Blackhawks fan, actually tagged me in that on Facebook. Yeah, so I thought he I, did a really good job during the playoffs last year. I was very impressed at how polished he was right off the right out right out of the gate. Um, he'll get better, obviously, but I think having him and Burrish together. That's going to be great, and because they're really good friends, first of all. And second of all, Brian Campbell was a guy who I think they were trying to groom for that job, and uh, they realized quickly that he just does not have broadcasting chops. And uh, he spent – I saw him Sunday in the uh, – he was in the skybox with, you know, Stan and, 
and uh, Rocky and McDonough and all those guys. So he's doing some behind the scenes stuff. But that, that it's sort of an upset that Brian Campbell isn't the guy that come out of this as like the broadcasting star. But here we are. Yeah, I think that that's actually not surprising to me. I always thought that Campbell would kind of be a better kind of behind the scenes guy. He just always had like a really good hockey IQ, but he was never like the most well-spoken guy. He was never the matinee idol look guy, you know, like Patrick Sharp has always been Mr. Handsome and everyone loves him and yada yada. So that to me makes all the sense in the world. I hope that he and Burrish don't fly too far off the rails like not everybody can be inside the nba on tnt i don't know if anybody in our audience has necessarily watched that show but the way that barkley and kenny thomas and shaquille o'neal just kind of go crazy sometimes works beautifully for them i kind of hope that doesn't happen with burrish and sharp but i think that pat boyle should be able to kind of keep them in line and i think they are really they were an entertaining watch during the postseason, like the late season, and I think that they should be interesting going into next year too. Speaking of Patrick Sharp, I think we need to give ourselves a little bit of credit here. And if you'll if you'll bear with me for a second, um, I want to bring something up. A oh. uh, couple years ago, there were some nasty rumors uh, around Patrick Sharp that spread through local bars and local rumor sites and local blogs like wildfire. Um, that James and I chose to not really uh, address, not really give any credence to, and at yeah. the time took a little heat for it, saying that we were trying to protect people or we were not telling the truth on the podcast. Well, you know, anyone that heard these rumors back then uh, knew that they were circling around Duncan Keith and Patrick Sharp. Um, mm-hmm. I was told at the time from the source that gives me all the trade information uh, that there was no truth to that rumor. And for that reason, I did not report it. I did not comment on it. And when I heard about it, I poo-pooed it from whoever told me. Um, now, rewind to a couple weeks ago, who is the guy who brought uh, the silver stick onto the ice for Duncan Keith's 1,000th game? It was Patrick Sharp. Uh, when Patrick Sharp retired, there was a video tribute where Duncan Keith named Patrick Sharp as his best friend on the team. Okay, mm-hmm. So what I'm telling you here is to not listen to every rumor. Some of them have some life. Some of them have some legs. But not every rumor you hear from your buddy who heard from his buddy who heard from his buddy who heard from his buddy at the bar that ABCDE happened with the Blackhawks, it's not always true. And I think there's some people in media that are too quick to run with these things because they've heard them a number of times. It's like a big game of telephone on the playground. One guy says it, another guy says it, and it's a small town even though it's a big city. And word gets around. Very similar, by the way, to the way we treated the Corey Crawford rumors this summer. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things were going around about where Corey was. What was he really up to? Is he really hurt? Is something else going on? I was told those were not true, and I was told that there was, uh, you know, that that those rumors were to be ignored as well. I'm glad we did. We found out the truth that he was concussed. I know for a fact that he was seeing a neurologist at Rush all off season. Uh, so. Listen, James and I, even though it may not be the juicy rumors we're going to give you all the time, we're going to tell you the truth. We're going to tell you what we know. And if we hear something, trust that we're going to investigate it and trust that if there is something there, we'll let you know. But for the two big sorted rumors that have circled around the star players of this team now and in the past, um, we have steered away from them. And I'm glad we did because it turns out that we were right to do it. And and these rumors are just that. And uh, they don't always deserve uh, to be discussed or even mentioned, um, you know, because they're harmful. And and if someone I trust tells me that they're not true, I'm going to believe them. I think the caveat with the Crawford stuff was just how like weirdly like secretive and like just completely inconsistent the Blackhawks were with Corey Crawford. I think it allowed a lot of that to uh, fester and i think we talked about that like we didn't obviously say oh yeah like there's definitely validity to these rumors or whatever but we kind of we did have our finger on the pulse of why they were kind of spreading about him and as for patrick sharp man you're absolutely right like that just it's not really even like our thing you know like it's not it's not what people i don't think come to this podcast for necessarily they come for you know, kind of the goofiness and we go on silly rants about Scott Foster and Pat Foley. And yeah, that rubs people wrong the wrong way sometimes. But at the end of the day, man, and this is it's hockey, it's fun. And we're, 
you know, we're in it to have fun, but at the same time, we also know that these guys are real people with real lives and just spreading rumors willy-nilly on whatever reach our podcast has would be an irresponsible thing to do. And I'm not going to sit here and act all high and mighty over everybody else that's in like the podcast or blogging game or whatever, but it's just not the way that, you know, I want the podcast to conduct itself. And I'm glad Jay, that you feel the same way. Yeah. And speaking of uh, the support we get and the reach we have, I think this is a good, as good a time as any to remind people about our event at rabbit brewing on Tuesday, November 27th, when the Blackhawks take on the Vegas Golden Knights, we'll be hosting our Puck Cancer fundraiser for my friend Andy Garcia. Andy lost his wife, Meredith, to cancer back in May. That was just months after she gave birth to twins, leaving Andy behind with three children and bills to pay and uh, a family to raise on his own. So uh, we've already had a lot of tickets sold. We've already had a lot of donations made. I want to thank Steve Rosenblum for mentioning uh the fundraiser on his show when i was on with him on saturday and also for donating to andy to the cause he can't make the party but i want to thank him a bunch of other local uh media people have have donated as well Uh, a lot of listeners have donated a lot of family friends have donated we want to get you guys out there though to come have fun with us go to madhousepod.com slash events click on that link it will take you to the ticket page tickets are ten dollars Every ticket is an entry into our grand prize raffle. The grand prize is four Blackhawks tickets and a signed jersey. I believe it's going to be a signed Stan Makita jersey. I don't have 100% verification on that, but that's the way it's looking. We also have a pair of sweet tickets to the game against Montreal. Not sweet tickets, I'm sorry, club-level tickets. Donated Can I answer by- for those? <laughs> no, you cannot. Donated by my friend Brian Wazalewski from high school. Just reached out of the blue, donated some tickets. We've mentioned the Mitch Trubisky signed hat, the Kyle Fuller signed mini helmet, four copies of NHL 19, Wolves tickets, the Cubs, Sox, and Bulls has said they're going to help as well. So there's going to be lots of great stuff. Those raffles, by the way, everything aside from the four tickets in the jersey will be separate $1 raffles. So we're going to have little uh, jars set around, Rabbit Brewing, you buy five tickets for, you know, six tickets, six tickets for five bucks, tear off a ticket, put in each thing you want. I think one of the problems we had with our last fundraiser was we were just drawing winners. And, you know, my 65 year old mother-in-law was winning a copy of NHL 18. She doesn't want that. She doesn't care. So we're going to let people do it this way. So if they see something they want, they can put a ticket in there. If they see something they really want, they can put a bunch of tickets in there. This way it's, you are more in control of what you win. We're trying to do this thing right. So again, madhousepod.com slash events join us november 27th at rabbit brewing in homewood by the way a couple people have asked because this is a brewery it is not kid friendly we're asking 21 and over for this event we'll have plenty of family friendly things as the season goes on but please no kids uh, as this is specifically a bar in a brewery they don't want to get in trouble even though it's a charity event they don't want to get in trouble for having people in there they shouldn't have they're a new business. They celebrated their one-year anniversary, so we want to honor that and respect that, and, and we're going to. So, Rabbit Brewing. What is Rabbit Brewing, you ask? Well, I'm glad you asked, my friends. If you want to drink mythological-level craft beers, you are going to go to Rabbit Brewing and try the concoctions that Ray and Tobias come up with. I describe Tobias as the mad scientist. He is the genius behind the brews at Rabbit Brewing, my favorite thing I've tried recently is the Hemogoblin. It's the chocolate blood orange wheat. Oh, my God, it's incredible. The Russian Imperial Stout just released. Uh, they've got an outstanding and welcoming tap room full of chalkboard walls, uh, lots of sort of medieval mythical imagery. It's just a great place to drink. They're always showing something interesting on the projection. Last time I was there, it was sumo wrestling. We watched some kung fu movies. The night of our event on the 27th, it's going to be... Uh, the Blackhawks and Golden Knights. So go to Rabbit Brewing. Like I said, the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois, and head out on the 27th of November. Madhousepod.com slash events. Check it out. Okay, we'll be back with a preview of the Western uh, Road Trip and a lot more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Well, me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. 
Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski, my partner with me here, James Naveau. We want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street, family owned and operated since 1933. Marishka's is our longtime sponsor. Famous for their delicious poor boy sandwiches, but everything there is tremendous. The chops, the seafood, hell, even if you just want some mac and cheese, the mac and cheese at Marishka's is heavenly. It's thick, it's gooey, it's delicious, it's everything you'll ever dream of. Uh, The Icelandic cod, Lent, when it's Lent, go there every Friday, get the cod, unbelievable. Craft beer menu that will blow you away. It's just a beautiful place. It's like an old supper club. Like I said, it's been there since 1933. If you're from the Chicagoland area, you're from the Southland at all, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your friends, you owe it to your family to take a trip, at least one trip in your life to Marishka's. And if you take that one trip, you'll definitely go back. So check them out, marishkas.com or Facebook, facebook.com slash marishkas. That's M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. And you can find links and information on all of our sponsors at madhousepod.com slash sponsors it links to all of their web pages that includes rabbit brewing and marishka's and chucks and everybody so visit that page madhousepod.com slash sponsors for all that information all right james the hawks are about to embark on a western conference or a west coast road trip uh with games against the oilers and the tomorrow against vancouver thursday against the oilers saturday against the flames uh, to me, this is sort of a telltale trip. This is going to say a lot. You mentioned it earlier. This is going to tell us a lot about what these Blackhawks are and what they're made of. And, uh, man, it feels like forever since they fight, so let's drop the damn puck, as we are known to say. Yeah, I mean, and they're obviously going to have three games in four nights, so once again, it's going to be a big, condensed schedule. But I think when people saw the schedule early in the season, they were like, Oh, Vancouver, eh, they've been terrible lately. Oh, Edmonton, other than Connor McDavid, what the heck do they have? Like that kind of thing. Even with all of that being said, it is tough to go out west and to win multiple games on a trip like that. And I don't know if you know this, Jay, but the three-game road trip that they are on, that's the longest trip they go on this season is three freaking games. Well, thank God the circus trip is over. That was always a nightmare. (laughs) And the Disney on ice trip like it was weird having like those things like kind of bunched in together. But yeah, like it's it's a good opportunity to kind of see what they are, because the guys always bond on trips like that when they go out west. And it's going to be interesting to see them play against a Vancouver team that up until a few days ago was in the top spot in the Pacific and is still only a point out like, yeah, their stats aren't that great. They're not they're one of the league's worst offenses, but their penalty kill their special teams, honestly, has been pretty dang solid this year, and they've obviously got guys like Bo Horvat and Brock Besser and guys like that. And it's interesting to me that they have achieved what they have so far based on what they've done the last couple of years, which isn't much of anything. So that'll be an interesting game to kind of kick off the trip. They obviously have the rematch with Edmonton, which we didn't really like delve too much into our feelings about that game. I feel like it was kind of a blah affair am I missing something with that like it just didn't really it was one of those games that I watched but I didn't really absorb like exactly a ton from it did you well I was there with an eight-year-old and a fifth grader uh so (laughs) it was a little tough to absorb anything here's what I'll tell you uh the game itself was pretty boring not a ton of scoring chances but Connor McDavid when he is on the ice may as well have a spotlight on him because he stands out over everybody so much his Mm -hmm. explosiveness his ability to go from zero to not 60 but as fast as a hockey player goes it's just incredible he is such a dynamic it's the first time I've seen him play in person and it blew me away like it was all the hype and more and as soon as that three-on-one happened in overtime it was like well (laughs) as soon as they crossed center ice I started packing up my stuff because you knew that that puck was going to end up on number 97 stick and then it was going to end up in the back of the net behind Cam Ward and sure enough, it happened. And uh, man, he is a treat to watch. If you have an opportunity 
to go see Connor McDavid play, go do it because you're talking about a surefire Hall of Famer, a multi-MVP. Um, kid is amazing and uh, worth every penny of it. I didn't pay anything, but it, it would have been worth the price of admission had I paid. How about that? Unfortunately, they do not come back to Chicago this year. They play three times. Two of the games are up in Edmonton. So, if I mean, if you can make the trip maybe over to, like, Detroit or Columbus or St. Louis to go see him play, I would definitely recommend it as well. Um, that's the second game on the three-game road trip, and then they play the other Alberta team. They play the Calgary Flames, who are in first place in the NHL's Pacific Division, just had a comeback win over the Buffalo Sabres. Obviously, we've talked a lot on this show about guys like Johnny Gaudreau and Sean Monahan and how good they are. The Flames, the Pacific Division as a whole has been really interesting this season. Obviously, we kind of expected Vegas to fall back down to earth a little bit. I think we expected the Coyotes to take a step forward. And honestly, looking at some of their peripherals, I still would not be surprised to kind of see them take a step forward. But San Jose is near the top of that division. And then Calgary, Vancouver, and Edmonton are just right there. And I'm a little bit surprised that all three have been playing as soundly as they have been even though it's obviously not as well as teams in the central division have seemed to be playing. One thing I like about the flames is they're, they're deep, you know, Gaudreau is a star. Obviously Sean Mon- Monahan is not quite that level, but Matthew Kachuk's a really nice player. They added James Neal, who's off to a slow start, but that's the sort of guy like come playoff time that can make a big difference. Young players though, like Sam Bennett are really good. There's a mm-hmm. lot of good, interesting players on this team and uh, remember, they traded for Noah Hannafin in the offseason, who's one of my favorite young defensemen in the league. Um, I, I, I like Calgary. I like the Flames, and I'm going to like them even more if they wear those absolutely fabulous alternate. Pristine. Re- oh. Full. Are you talking about the ones with, you're talking about the ones with the white C, right? The old school red jersey, red pants, <laughs> red socks, red skates, red ice. <laughs> I remember... Theo Fleury skating around with one of those bad boys on his chest. And it's such a classic look. I'm so glad they still wear that. And I've just, I have been impressed. Like basically every time I've tuned into the flames this season, which admittedly has not been a lot, but I did watch them some against Toronto last night and they looked really good, man. They went into Toronto. They held the Leafs in check, only allowed them one goal in the game And then they went out tonight and they had a comeback win over Buffalo, too. Like this team, like you said, incredibly deep. And then, oh, yeah, we didn't mention that guy named Mark Giordano, who is one of the league's best blue liners. He's so good. He's already got 10 points this season. Always a threat on the back end. The Flames have just got a lot of really good talent on that team. And I kind of like that that's the last game of the three, because that to me is going to be an extremely good test for the Blackhawks. And I'm really looking forward to spending my Saturday night watching that game. Yeah, me too. All right. So we got six available points on the trip. What are you satisfied with? They come home with four, three, you happy with three. Generally in these kinds of situations, I kind of want them to get about half as many points as they can potentially get. So yeah, I think that three would be good. Maybe get a, a win and an overtime loss. I'd be totally content with that. Yeah, it'd be hard for me to get upset about uh, three or more. Um, well, boy, obviously, I just, not going to be upset if they get more than three points. Yeah, so pretty, obviously. you'll be pleased because then they'll welcome your special boy Tavo back to the United Center, and they'll be near the top of the Central standings, and we'll all be a lot happier. Yeah, and he's going to score seven goals and just flip Stambo and the bird. <sighs> Him and Sebastian Ajo together have looked really good. I've watched one Carolina game, and they stood out instantly. It was very noticeable when they were on the ice. They've got great chemistry. Why are you doing this to me, man? I'm just saying, man, like Carolina might actually be decent. And that, by the way, we I guess we should talk about it since, you know, we're the fun police now since we went, I went all in on Scott Foster and you were blasting Pat Foley on the last postgame show. We yeah, did yeah. Together. I need to address this real quick, by the way, because a, bu- a bu- Let's talk about Carolina first, and then we can All right. yell at our listeners. <laughs> I'm not berating anyone. No, I know, I know. I'm just, I'm being silly. First off, what do you think of the Carolina victory celebration? I don't think I saw it. <gasps> oh, okay, so what they do is they line up at center ice along the red line, 
And then they look like they're going to do like the line to line skating drill. But instead, they skate all the way to the end of the ice and jump into the boards. Oh, I like that. I love it. It is irritating people across the NHL. And as such is now my new favorite thing next to Gritty. I absolutely <laughs> adore it. Yes. I wrote my my buddy, uh, Dan, founded the uh, site Philly Faithful. It's a bunch of Philadelphia-based uh, sports gear. He's moved on, but I sent him, like, please send me everything gritty you have. And he's like, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on it. Anyway, so I want to address the uh, – yeah, I shouldn't even do this, but l- listen, I just want to – just asterisk on every episode – Anytime James and I seem really, really mad about something that's really, really stupid, we're probably exaggerating a little bit. For instance, Duh. Scott Foster, Pat Foley, my air quotes, hatred of Chris Chelios. All these things are done tongue in cheek. If we're really, really legitimately pissed about something, you'll know. It'll probably be worthy of us being pissed about. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we're hockey fans. We're here because it's fun. Nothing is really going to upset us that much. Just want to make sure that's clear. And I also did want to make clear, I made clear on Twitter after I said all the stuff about Scott Foster, I don't begrudge him any of it, dude. If I got a chance to skate with an NHL team, you bet your ass I would do it. I would milk every minute of it. I just think the Blackhawks need to be, like, dial it back. They need to not overdo it. So my beef was with the way that the Blackhawks were handling it and definitely not with Scott Foster taking advantage of every opportunity that he's got. You know what? Godspeed, dude. Do what you got to do because I cannot say that I wouldn't do the same thing if I was in that situation. Are you ready for the email of the show? This is a new thing, by the way. We are going to highlight a listener that sends us an email that is so mind-bendingly awesome and makes us really think deep about hockey We're giving you guys an amazing shout out when we do this. So, yes, Jay, I am eager and ready to hear that email. Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The emailer of the show is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Hit up Chuck's this weekend the pork nachos, the barbecue pork nachos, my friend. I have been dreaming of them ever since, waking up with the sensation of barbecue sauce and cheese and pork on my face, and I wake up sadly that it's not still there and it's not still part of my life. But if that's not your thing, that's okay. They've got Cajun food. Oh, you don't like Cajun? That's fine. They got Mexican. Oh, you don't like that either? You want a delicious burger? Chuck's has you there too. Anything you like that's food, and that's a little bit unhealthy for you. Chuck's has it. They also have healthy options if you want to get a salad for some reason. They've got those too. But I'm telling you, if you want to treat yourself, as they say on Parks and Rec, you're going to want to go to Chuck's. Try anything on their menu. The first thing I do when I arrive at Chuck's, I grab the menu of the daily specials. Look, find what I'm going to order because usually everything on there is amazing. Everything. When you're done gorging yourself on delicious Chuck's food, make sure you try the cobbler. It's a hot cobbler with ice cream on top. It serves three or four people. Just one of the best desserts you'll ever have. So visit chuckscafe.com. Again, Burbank, Darien, Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. And like I said before, madhousepod.com slash sponsors for information on all of our sponsors. So yes, like James said, we're going to do just one email per show because I have found... It took me four years to discover this, but a lot of the emails are about things we have, we've already discussed, and I feel like they get redundant. I'm also not the greatest reader in the world. I don't think people want to hear me read, so we're going to pick out one email per show. Obviously, hit us up, madhousepod at gmail.com. James and I are also going to do better about responding to the emails you guys send instead of just letting them sit there in the inbox. Since we're not going to read them all on the air, we are going to take our time and respond to you guys uh, as best we can. So yeah, we took a blood oath about this. It was really awkward. Yeah. Well, it was worth it. So our first emailer of the show is Ben Lerman. Ben says, am I right to believe that this is definitely Jan Ruda's last season as a Hawk and that he might be spending the second half of this year in the press box? I can't imagine them bringing him back aside from about a month of solid play at the start of last year, he's been mostly awful with occasional stretches of mediocrity. I know Manning is everyone's favorite whipping boy at the moment, but I think Ruta has been equally terrible 
and doesn't have the excuse of being new to Q's system like Manning. Uh, he goes on a little bit, but, you know, point taken, uh, he is quickly in Quenville's doghouse. And I, I don't uh, – when, when Forsling and Murphy come back, I don't know where he's going to fit. Uh, he was signed for a $2 million deal because Stan Bowman just had to have him back. Uh, but I'd be shocked if they bring him back next season. He's unrestricted after this year, by the way. We've been shocked before when they've brought guys back. And it, it's obviously always something you're just like, Stan, why is this necessary? And with Jan Ruda, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to steal something that by the way, I was listening to your competitor station today. I was listening to ESPN 1000. They're not really competitors when they're 25th in a ratings and we're fourth. So that's fine. They need the help. As Jay slaps his dick on the table. Anyway, so the thing that I was going to bring up is that he brought up earlier that Bobby Portis is going to be a restricted free agent for the Bulls going into this offseason and that the team is inevitably going to hand him like a 30 or $40 million deal. Nothing that's going to break the salary cap, but isn't necessary for a team that is legitimately trying to compete for a title. Those kinds of teams do not sign Bobby Portis's to $40 million deals. Teams like the Blackhawks, who ostensibly are still thinking that they can compete for a Stanley Cup championship, don't sign easily replaceable guys like Jan Ruda to longer-term deals. And I like that it was a one-year deal, thank God, because he's been a complete train wreck this season. It's been awful to watch. So there's that, where I just don't think it's necessary to bring him back. You can have a guy come up from the minors, or you can go out and sign a guy like Brandon Manning, who hopefully will play better than Brandon Manning has. It's a lot easier to do that and a lot more understandable than continuing to bring back a guy who clearly doesn't fit. So I hope that Stan Bowman does that. And I also hope that he and Joel Quenville both just once before they go to bed in their plush sheets and whatnot in their palatial suburban estates, think about the fact that they chose Jan Ruda over Michael Kempney and resolve to never make a decision like that again, because it wasn't an awful decision but it was a completely pointless one to screw up, and they had no reason to, and they did it anyway. Well, that is very well said, my friend. I don't really know what more I can add to that. Uh, you pretty much covered it all. Um, you're right, and, and yeah, it's $2 million, but it's a one-year deal. They've got cap space, so it's not anything uh, that's you know that's damning or is going to hurt them really this no, year. it's unnecessary. Unnecessary is correct, and... Uh, if he is back next season, it's got to be for a pay cut. I, Duh. Yeah, there's no way I'm paying him that money again to play like he's played. Give it to Brandon Manning instead. Mm, let's not go nuts. All right, that's <laughs> going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Thanks for listening. Always check out madhousepod.com for everything. Every episode is there. We mentioned our sponsors. We mentioned uh, ways to support the podcast or Patreon our um gofundme by the way uh he did not want to be mentioned but we got a huge and stunning donation on our gofundme uh has sort of refilled our coffers after paying for the new imaging for the podcast uh so thank you so much you know who you are uh i sent you an email i had tears in my eyes when i opened the uh, receipt of that donation uh so we greatly appreciate it and everyone uh, whether you give us a dollar or Five hundred dollars, whatever it is, uh, it, it helps. So if you want to support us, a, a good option is the Patreon. That's you could donate a dollar a month, five dollars a month, whatever. Or if you want to do a one-time thing, GoFundMe.com. Go to MadhousePod.com/support for links to those accounts. Um, but really, we thank you guys for all the support you give us. We really we can't do this without you. Literally, we can't. We can't afford the website. We can't afford the bandwidth. We can't afford the equipment. Uh, we cannot do this without your help. So thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And one last reminder to join us Tuesday, November 27th at Rabbit Brewing in Homewood for our Puck Cancer event, madhousepod.com slash events for all the info there. But until next time, thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com, triple threat sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Marishka's and Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933. 
and Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbit Brewing. We will talk to you tomorrow night, one of us, after the Canucks game. We will see. It's a late game. I might not want to do a midnight podcast. But one James, of us will drink the Red Bull and do it. We'll figure it out, damn it. But thank you for listening. James and I really appreciate it. We will talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. MadhousePod.com slash events. Come see us. Come drink with us. Come help a good cause. Good night. <laughs>